Welcome to the Inquisitive Tourist. My name is Nate Ralph and thank you for joining me. For those of you already listening, welcome back. And if this is your first episode, I'd love to welcome you on board to the ever-growing community of worldwide listeners. As of today, we're in 78 countries. Uh, Last episode, I said, let's get to 80. I really want to get it to 100. So if you enjoy this episode, please, please do share it with just one or two people. I'd really, really appreciate it. Now, all of us know people who are into property. Buy a house, remodel it or flip it, as they say, and sell it on for a healthy profit. Do this multiple times, slowly build up your equity, and then you can build a bigger and bigger portfolio, leading to bigger and bigger profits. The traditional approach requires seed money, which is an obstacle too great for many. But what if I told you that there's another way to do it? Well, my guest today has devoted himself to flipping houses with other people's money. You heard right, other people's money, and wants to share his advice and knowledge with us today. His name is Bogdan Zhukov, known professionally online as Dan Zhukov. Bogdan, welcome to the show. How's it going, Nate? Thank you so much for having me. I've been waiting for this opportunity to to share everything I have regarding real estate, and I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule as well, man, for coming on. And one thing I have to get uh, started, you know, clear from the start is is our friendship, man. It just it goes back such a long time, doesn't it? And I was at your wedding, yeah. I think it was in April 2019, wasn't it? In California. Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You you flew out and a few of our other friends as well. That was a good time. And um, yeah, it's been a long time since we've known each other, hasn't it? Uh, probably eight eight years, eight or nine years. I'm not good with this stuff. Maybe ten. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I've you know we've we've got a lot of great memories. So and it's always it's always great. Yeah. No. Thanks for saying, man. Now, Bogdan. Right. Obviously, your professional name online, as I said, is Dan. And um, yeah, it's it's weird for me to say that because obviously for me, you're such a good friend. You're just Bogdan, but. Both, it's yeah. interchangeable. But how did you actually get into this? Because I think people are going to be thinking, especially from the title of this podcast, like, what the heck is all this about? So how did you get into yeah. this? Did you stumble across it? Or what exactly happened? Well, the thing is, I mean, I've always wanted to kind of be invested in real estate one way or the other. I honestly didn't know how at the time, but I've, it was something that I've always wanted to do. And to me personally, it all started when I was around eight years old. Uh, you might have heard of the show or maybe others listening also might have heard of the show called Homes Under the Hammer. Um, me and my father used to always watch it before I used to go to school. And I, it's a show that kind of shows or, or yeah, it shows how there's investors that fix and flip a property. They renovate it and everything and they list it and it and it tells them how much. Well, the evaluator comes back and says how much they will make from it if they sell it or if they keep it to, to rent it. And I used to always love to hear that number, right? I used to always want to know, like, how much will they make profit after renovating it from the beat-up condition that it's in? And I always, and I was about eight years old, bear in mind, right? So I always wanted to kind of get into it. And I, you know, being so young, naive, and, you know, didn't know exactly what in, what's in te- entailed or what's um, involved with it, kind of wanted to do it. I was very interested and that's exactly when, um, you know, as time went on, I still had it in my mind, but my kind of my journey kind of led a different way. And that's when I started uh, kind of 
doing something else, right? And you know me as well. I had a cleaning business um, in, in England. I also ended up having that in the US. But I always still had that drive of, okay, I need to do something with real estate. I mean, anyone you speak to, I'm pretty sure you would agree that anyone you speak to who has done anything in real estate would say it's it's one of the best things that they've ever done, right? You would hardly ever meet someone who would say that it's the worst industry to be in or it's a mistake to get into real estate. Like almost anyone that owns even one property or a hundred properties will all say it's great, right? So I've always wanted to kind of get my feet wet in that, try and try and do something with it. And that's exactly when I started, you know, communicating with my friends, getting to know how is it that they do it? Because I have some friends that are already in the mm-hmm. in the industry of real estate investing. Mm-hmm. And then apart from asking them questions and learning from them, I started learning, you know, myself, doing more and more research, started investing in mentors who have done it. And that's when I actually got involved in real estate. And only when I learned from two separate mentors of how to do it without using now your own money, that is when um things really kind of scaled up and, and changed for me where now, you know, I don't have to worry about the funds. I can do it without using any of my own money. So that's kind of how I got into it. It was just the passion that I had from just watching that one show, you could say, and it kind of just led from there as I grew older and um, kind of wanted to get into it. That is pretty amazing. So it started from the age of eight. I, I wasn't aware of that, that, you know, that's when <laughs> this idea, yeah. you know, you, you're an investor at heart, obviously. And uh, it's, it's interesting. I mean, was your dad like that as well? Or do you reckon you just, uh, this was just I something mean, that you grew up with? I'll, I'll be honest. It was probably more like uh, my parents always kind of, you could say, have tried something uh, maybe of their own and whatnot, mm. but it they didn't have as much of the same mindset. Um, and it kind of happened, like what happened with me is I I've always just wanted to be my own boss with whatever I do. I have tried work for people before and it doesn't, didn't always work out great. I've always had that kind of mentality of trying to do it myself. Mm. And that's exactly what happened. That's why I had the cleaning business. That's why I did some other things as well. And and I knew that, okay, me already being able to kind of manage maybe a business, even if it's on a smaller scale, will allow me to kind of like take, uh, you could say, chances or kind of uh, believe in myself that I can go the extra step and try and do the next step, something like something on a larger scale, right? And that's yeah. something that I thought always real estate was that. I always thought, oh my goodness, like, being a real estate investor is like the hardest thing. And that's something that is impossible. Like, how am I going to do it? But then once you're actually in it, you really tend to realize if you've got the right step-by-step process in place, anyone can do this, right? It's literally possible for anyone, but as long as you know how to do it. And that's the beauty of it. Right. And that segues beautifully into my next question, because um, I've got to ask you, obviously, you set up uh, officially, obviously you've still got your cleaning businesses and so on, but you set mm-hmm. up Urban Flip Academy. Now, I was looking up, reading uh, what I can about it. You've got 80 videos, give or take, uh, which teach you yeah. step-by-step methods. So you, you said anyone can do it. Can someone with literally zero, and I mean literally zero previous knowledge about real estate and investing, easily follow these videos? Yes, most definitely. I mean, like you said, yeah, it's just over 80 videos. It's about a good, 
it'll take about a good three weeks for someone to to complete it. Uh, these are pre-recorded videos. So the great thing about it, it's not like you are logging into a Zoom call or a live session or have to be attending somewhere physically in person. These are pre-recorded videos that, that all the students get lifetime access to, meaning they can watch it in their own time. They can pause videos if they're watching a video, whether on their devices, a TV screen, whatever it is, even on their mobile phones, iPads, etc. If someone distracts them in any way, they can pause the videos to make sure they don't miss out on anything and they can carry on playing it later on. They can watch it anytime they want, whether it's three in the morning, whether it's at 3 p.m., right? And then if they ever want to rewatch the whole program again, the whole 80, uh, just over 80 videos, if they want to rewatch it all, they can. They can watch it as many times as they want, even 10 years down the line. And if I ever update any videos, they will receive the updates as well because they have the login details, right? So if there's anything that I change or add to the videos, eventually we'll probably have just over 100 videos. I mean, the students will get access to that as well. So it's kind of always updating and refreshing their memory and knowledge in this industry. And it teaches a step-by-step process. So whether they have experience, like you mentioned, can they do it if they you know, have no experience? If they have no experience, have, don't even know what a real estate agent is or a contract, or, or if they don't, don't know anything about it, I specifically made the videos to the point where it can be uh, understood by even those that are experienced and those that are not experienced. Nice. Not literally right? so from, the, from the ground up. Yeah. Now that's quality. Exactly. And these videos out exactly. of interest, like on average, how, how long are they? So there's different videos. I mean, all the videos would amount to about 30 hours total. Um, you have some videos that can be under five minutes and you've got some videos that are like 50 minutes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it really just depends on what, because in the videos I have actual interviews with, um, uh, resources that I provide, like I provide different contacts to the students. So apart from them, uh, apart from me teaching them how to find these different individuals that they need to work with in this industry, I actually provide them access to my own ones to make their job easier, right? Because if they're investing in a course, I don't want to only teach them how to do it. I want to provide them the tools and the resources that they need to make it happen, all right? So that's why in the videos, I actually record some interviews with different members or, or different real estate professionals that they have access to as well. Some of these interviews can be like 45 minutes. I even sometimes tell students, you know what, you can sit back and just watch it like as if you're watching a movie or take down notes if you want regarding this interview. But the, like I said before, the fact that they have pre, these videos pre-recorded, they can go back and rewatch that interview a million times if they want. Yeah. Right. So that's the view of it. So, yeah. Nice. No, very, very nice. So, it's called Urban Flip Academy. Now, that middle word there, flip, means obviously, as described, you buy a house, you do it up from, from scratch, uh, and then you sell it on for a healthy profit. Bogdan, what if someone's goal is to renovate and rent? Yeah, I mean, if they want to renovate a property and rent it, that's something that I also go into um, and teach the students. Uh, and how to do that without using their own money as well. So it's both fixing and flipping to flip and get a bulk sum, like a large payout, or to keep properties to rent them. And then they can either short-term rent it, like Airbnb, uh, even if they want to do long-term renting. So there's options like that. And that's another beauty of this industry is that once you learn these things, you kind of have you know, doors open up to other opportunities. And that's something that I go into with with all my students, yeah. 
That's nice. Obviously, because of the the name of your company, I I'm supposing that the the sort of the main idea, shall I say, is is flipping. So I mean, is that something that you believe is, should we say, the superior strategy overall? Yeah, correct. I mean, it's something where once you learn uh, how to fix and flip, you kind of will be able to even without my help per se figure out how to go into owning a rental now from renovating a property or how to now apply this while doing multi-units, you know, like multifamily or even get into new construction because this is like the foundation. Once you learn this, everything else becomes easier to understand. It makes more sense and so on. So that's why I like to focus on actual fixing and flipping. Yeah, that's nice. So here's here's the burning question. And we're what, 12 or 13 minutes into the podcast, I think. And I, I know that many people are going to be like, when is Nate going <laughs> to ask him this question? Because, I mean, speak us through the basics of, of this, because how is it that we can use none of our own money, right? Because if it was that easy, uh-huh. wouldn't everyone be doing it? I mean, that's the question that I also asked myself before knowing how to actually do it. Like, even though I had some idea of how to to do you know how to fix and flip maybe even carried out some deals but doing it without using any of your own money that's when i was like well how is that possible you know even to this day there are many investors maybe that have 10 20 30 years of experience that still to this day use part of their own money and they even ask me hey dan like i've had all this experience but i'm still using some of my own money how is it that you're using none of your own but yes the, it, it definitely is possible i mean i'm living proof of it there are many others who are doing it as well and even for those listening like you might actually know someone who does that or even if you don't if you kind of do a little bit more research and find out you can find out that you can do it using none of your own money but there is that step-by-step process that comes with it you know that there are lenders out there that will provide you the funds to do it some lenders will provide 100% of all the costs needed for the project. Some lenders, or even most lenders, they might only pr- pr- uh, provide part of that, right? Mm. Um, just like a normal bank, just like a traditional bank. If you try and go and get an investment pr- uh, property, they will ask you to have some um, you know, collateral in there, like you kind of put some, some of your own money into it, you know, so that they can uh, see that you are, uh, they're not taking all the risk, right? But then how do you come in with that gap amount, right? Mm. That difference, that mm. difference amount of what most people, investors need to come in with that down payment, the closing costs, et cetera. And that is something that I also teach. Uh, apart from teaching, I also provide access to these lenders that do exist that can cover that extra remainder amount. Now, of course, if you were to use some of your own money, your profits would probably be more. But now if you are going to be using 100% of other people's money by having other lenders kind of partner up with you, now, of course, you're going to, they're not going to give you money for free. They're, everyone's mm-hmm. going to ask for some sort of return. Mm-hmm. And that is when, you know, from your profits, you'll, you, you'll make a little bit less because you have to pay, you know, for the fact that they borrowed you, you have to pay them a, a percentage. So now just as an example, instead of making 100000 in profit, because you've used 100% of other people's money, if your profits might now be like 80,000 or 85, but look, if I made 80 to 85,000 and I use $0 of my own money, of course, sign me up any day, right? Uh, instead of make, instead of maybe me using 60 grand of my own money and then making an extra, what, 15 grand on top to make the a hundred. So it, it, it is definitely possible. But like I said, it, it's not just as easy as just explaining it. And people are like, Oh, okay, I got it. Like, okay, I can go ahead and do it. It's literally 
has to be explained with a step-by-step process. In my actual course, there's one module that has 19 videos. Just that one module alone has 19 videos on how to use 100% of other people's money, right? Mm. So, I mean, just that in itself shows that 19 videos of explaining that, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's definitely possible. I mean, yeah, obviously, I think most people listening to this are going to understand how that's possible, right? Like, you, you know, property before renovation is 500,000, whether that, whatever that currency is, dollars, pounds here in the UK. Um, yeah. You know, you go knocking on your neighbor's doors, maybe you meet a hundred of them and you ask for five grand each, but you know, it makes sense how that's possible, but surely the hard thing. And I think this is what most people are going to be screaming out at right now is like, you know, yeah. Okay. We understand like the numbers behind it, but how do you convince someone? Like if I was to knock on my neighbor's door or just like someone few roads away from me and say, Hey, I've got this project. Um, could I basically have five grand and I'm going to pay you back six grand, you know, that's a 20% return. Mm -hmm. Like in, in six right. months or eight months, that's a brilliant return, way better than any bank, right? Even right. if I'm not a crook and I'm dead serious and whatever, like how can I convince them? Do you know what I mean? Like how, how is that done? You know what's <laughs> funny? I, I Once again, I also thought like, oh, really? Like how? How is it possible? But you'll be surprised how now with what I do, and that's one of the reasons why I show my social media what I do, because I have people reaching out to me mm. saying, Dan, like, I don't know how to do this, but I have $300,000 in the bank and it's doing nothing for me. Like, can I have a partner up with you on a deal? I literally have these people knocking on my door instead of me knocking on their door mm. just because I'm showing what I am doing. That's one of the reasons why it's important to kind of showcase what you, you do instead of just staying silent because it will actually open up many doorways for your opportunities to partner up and network and kind of be able to grow. And that's that's the crazy part that literally with, with this, with the whole like finding investors or finding partners to partner up with you, you'll be surprised when some people reach out to you. Like I just said, like someone reached out to me and says, I've got $300,000 in the bank. I mean, I'm thinking, I never would have thought you even had like 300000 in your bank. Like never. Mm. Like I, I, I was mind blown when sometimes people reach out to me saying that they have that. And I was thinking, where were you hiding? You know, I've had people literally tell me, hey, Dan, you know what? Like I've got money. Like, hidden under my mattress like i just i just always keep it ready for a rainy day like i don't know and but now i see that what you're doing like i kind of want to grow that you know and grow what i have and kind of invest in something that is uh, a tangible asset that is gonna bring a good return so honestly it's it's just important to network and i now tell all my students i tell everyone i speak to i always speak to people wherever i go I like to start conversations. Of course, you know, it's not that easy if if you might have if you might be a bit shy and whatnot. So it does require kind of getting out of your comfort zone. But sometimes if I go out to eat with family, friends and whatnot, and we are, you know, just going for a meal or we're at the bar or something. If I see someone and I can get into a conversation, I kind of like to ask what they do you know, for them to then maybe ask what I do. And then I kind of just let them know what I do, how I've been able to help other people in real estate by them putting their money into, into deals without having to do anything and just receive updates from me. And then I give them these nice returns and kind of just leave it like that and kind of see if they, you know, start um, kind of, you could say like asking more questions, maybe showing more interest. And if that's the case, then 
I can kind of tell them like, hey, if you want to do it as well, great. If not, no problem. But the point is I'm networking mm. and then opportunities like this. And all you need, think about it. All you need is one person that has enough funds. And by that point, you would have flipped enough properties to have your own funds. So if in the end someone says, no, I, I don't want to partner up, you'll have your own funds to be able to make a deal work. Mm. It's just the beginning stage that you genuinely need if you don't want to use any of your own money that you need kind of that network and that's the network that I provide in my course as well to students to make it easier so they don't even have to go network. They can just start, well, communicating with people through the connections that I provide. Um, but then eventually the game just gets easier. It gets easier because now you can either carry on using other people's money if you want to. And if for whatever reason everyone else's money is tied up, you've got your own funds by that point because now you've flipped one, two, three properties uh, that can make you great amounts of profits. Yeah, no, I got you. And isn't there a risk that, you know, obviously you said in your courses, you're providing these contacts who can uh, lend money. Is there not a risk that let's just say a thousand people or 10,000 people sign up to the course and they're all mm-hmm. essentially looking for the same contacts that those contacts provided could run out of money themselves? Do you see what I mean? Well, or, the do they just have essentially unlimited funds? For these type of things no well that's that's the thing i mean um there's a few uh, regarding that question there's actually a few uh different kind of points to it because uh, like the lenders that i provide i don't only just provide lenders to students and and tell them like hey you, you got use them i actually teach in the lessons in the course in actual videos i teach students how to find their own lenders mm. All of it, 100% of other people's money. I teach them how to do it. So they can go ahead and start looking for their own lenders 100%. Some, some, like someone that is completely separate from who I provide as a network, right? So if they want to use mine, they can. And like I have lenders who do provide in the millions of dollars. So there's, and some of these deals might only require a difference of, because there's different lenders that we use, right? And obviously, this is a topic that can you can we can speak hours on, right? But just to give an, like a a shell of an idea, it's like some lenders that I provide, these lenders can provide up to ten million dollars or more, right? There's there, there's lenders, and that's just one individual. Mm. I've got other uh, lenders that can provide even more than that. And then the difference that usually is needed for uh, the actual like the down payment and stuff like that on most deals will require depending on the size of the deal how big the deal is it can require anywhere between like 10 grand to like 150 grand or even a bit more than that so with that, those funds there let's just say anything up to about 200,000 per deal right from zero from about 5 grand onwards to 200,000 that amount would be uh, the second position lenders that i provide in the course as well and these lenders that i provide there's a handful of them. Each individual has, you know, maybe 500,000 to a million, some even more, mm-hmm. right? So imagine how much they can actually use up on uh, one individual can maybe provide up to, I don't know, 10 deals, 20 deals. But then once the property is flipped, right, they get their money back anyway, plus a return. So their money's growing as well. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a cycle where they can reinvest that amount again and they mm-hmm. can keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes I have, I have people sometimes throw deals at these lenders and if the deal doesn't make sense or doesn't look that great, of course, these connections that I provide, they might not even lend on that deal, you know? So it, it all depends on the deals. Uh, but I teach the students how to make sure that the deals that they present to these investors or to these uh, partners, potential partners, to make sure that these deals make sense and not just like anything random mm. with numbers that don't make sense, right? Mm. Um, 
but yeah, no, it's definitely possible. It's, it's something that, that even I've got students already that they're not using none of the lenders I've provided. They're using their own lenders because I taught them how to find their own mm. and they've managed to find their own. So now they've, and they, and the, the, the great thing about it is I provide a network, a group chat, apart from the videos, I provide a group chat where I am there. My team is there. Other students are there. So sometimes I ha- I've had students say, Hey guys, um, I've actually uh, used this person. You know, we partnered up. Uh, they have amount this this amount that they can partner up with other students as well. I told them that I'm part of this network. Blah blah blah. And then now with this network, this group chat that I have is generating lenders itself through students. So apart from the ones that I provide in the videos, now in the actual group chat that I provide with all the students in there, I have students saying, "Hey, I have." lenders that you guys can use so now there's more options to use more lenders so it kind of just keeps growing it's literally yeah. like a networking machine yeah that's amazing it just shows the power of networking isn't it it's absolutely incredible i mean every good business yeah. out there starts off by networking you know um that, it's all that's, about that's who you know is. and it's who you know it yeah. really really is um if you don't know anyone you've got no one to sell to you've got no one to to get funds with it's 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 the most powerful thing in business isn't it so yeah, well explained. You said earlier, a few minutes ago, um, th- that it's important when you're networking, meeting people to sort of showcase as well so that they can obviously gain trust in you. So could you explain us um, perhaps through the process of one of the houses that you flip, just a simple example to give us, you know, a solid um, a solid example, basically, with figures of, of just one house that you did? Yeah, I mean, I've man, I've got uh, a bunch. You, can, you know, on Instagram, you can go in there and you can choose which one. But uh, one that I always like to use, uh, this is a, I mean, is the, I've, I've got many deals that are very, very similar numbers, um, uh, because I actually have like, you could say like a niche of, of what I like to focus on or yeah. amount I like to like the to sweet spot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like a sweet spot. And the numbers usually turn out to be very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I even don't need to use a calculator because I already know that the very similar numbers that it is, I already know my profits. I know mm-hmm. all the that. closing but, fees, all that uh, sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So one, one of like, for example, one of the deals, I had, uh, we purchased at 220,000. The interesting thing was it was listed for 300,000. I found it myself online without anyone sending me the deals. I found it myself. Um, and I had my realtor make an offer for like 80,000 less where I, where I, where I still gave myself, the numbers would have made sense at 250,000, but I obviously negotiated even lower saying let's offer 220. And then if they start negotiating back, we can start working towards that 250 mark so I don't go past 250. Mm-hmm. And if I can make it work, great. But then when we made that offer at 220, they just accepted 220. And we're like, goodness me, like we actually managed to get even 30,000 less than what we could, what we needed it Amazing. at, right? So we yeah. got $80,000 off the actual original listing uh, price. We got at 220. We put 125,000 into it, into renovation. So mm-hmm. that's 345,000 total uh, projected costs, like mm-hmm. the total all in. Mm-hmm. And then we sold at 505,000. Mm. Um, so then, you know, you you can do the maths yourself. 345, 445 is like about 100 and 160, yeah. Yeah, about 160 in equity, but that doesn't all go to me, you know, because I have to pay realtor commissions. I have to pay. Because uh, I used none of my own money on that deal, so I had to pay my lenders back. I had to pay their their like interest that we negotiated for their return. Mm-hmm. You know, for the cut that they have asked for, you could say, uh, for borrowing me the money and stuff, and closing costs and all these things we had to pay. But once everything was paid, like I made 
you know, six figures on that amount, you know, over $120,000 in clean profit, uh, which was before taxes. Um, but yeah. And yeah, that, so that was all probably done, what, in six months or less, I guess? Yeah, that was actually, it was estimated to be a six-month project, like no longer than six months, but we ended up getting paid on the seventh month. So it took basically a month longer, but that month, uh, from my profits, I, I only reduced it by about $2,700. So I still made, you know, when you're talking about six figures in profit, Two and a half thousand dollars is not that big of a difference. No. If your profits are like twenty five thousand, then two and a half grand to make it twenty two and a half thousand could actually be kind of like, mm, should I do it or not? You know. But yeah. when you start talking about larger numbers, it's not even that big of a deal. So even if I would have, even if I would have sold it two months later, eight months, it still wouldn't have affected it that much. Yeah, still makes um, sense, doesn't it? But yeah, it was about a six, six, seven month project. So, so, I mean, on average, how much can someone expect to make on each flip? I mean, obviously, that six figure sum, that, that was a good example. But have you got sort of like an average projected figure for, for most for most sort of people, most yeah, sort of Joe mean, blogs that go into this? Is it 50, 60K or? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's um, it all depends on numbers and the areas. You flip. Like the US is such an interesting market because you can have places like California or places like New York or, or like places even in Florida where property prices are much higher than property prices in the central or central like part of America, like I don't know, Nebraska or even parts of Texas, Oklahoma, all these areas, uh, you know? So it really depends on the numbers that you're dealing with and what your profits could be, right? Your profits can, the thing is in my course, for example, with my ch- students, I teach them to never take on a deal that makes less than Mm $25,000. If there's a deal that makes them less than $25,000, I basically tell them like, look for another deal, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Mm -hmm. Unless it's like a very easy cosmetic flip, like you can do it in like three weeks and flip it in like a month or two and you can make 20 grand, maybe it'll be worth it. But even then, to be honest, you can genuinely, to make 20 grand in two months, you can, in the US at least, you can do some some other stuff that might require less work and effort to make almost a similar amount mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. or maybe less risk i know people that are doing uber eats here that can make eight thousand in a month they are working a lot but i'm talking about eight thousand dollars right mm-hmm. so it's like that's why i try to tell my students to not make or i try to advise anyone really to never make less than 25k on a prof uh, on a pro- on a project and even that 25k has to be like almost a quick project yeah. right so most of my deals i mean i haven't had any deal that was um less than i'll say 40,000 all my deals on average are between 50 to 150,000 in profits like i've had profits at like 83,000 96 105 126 134 so i would say on average you could make 100,000 on a flip that is maybe with a little bit more of experience when you're starting off it's very possible to make anywhere between 40 to 100,000 on just your first flip mm. right a, a general flip kind of cosmetic maybe or even if it's not cosmetic even if it's a full remodel but like a, a project that won't take much of your time that's the kind of profits numbers you're talking yeah no, that's yeah. amazing and which areas of the u.s do you recommend to buy because you said it's an interesting market i mean for example the house that you just spoke us through where, where was that because you're based in california well, so yeah so that one was actually in texas okay um 
I personally am in different states and in each state I'm in certain different markets. So I'm actually in more markets than obviously the states because mm-hmm. um, I like to kind of branch out anywhere in the US. I like to use the whole of the US as a platform. So if I can find deals anywhere and I've got a team there and I can make it happen, I will not kind of like remove the the opportunity, right? I'll try and consider it. I'll try and make it happen. But I honestly tell people anywhere where the numbers make sense, do it. Like, for example, in California, there are many areas that are just really difficult to make it happen. It's like either the price, you know, in areas, the prices are very expensive. Sometimes it's just uh, a lot of other investors. So it's more competition. But if, if an opportunity presents itself and the numbers make sense, do it. You know, like, so you can literally do it anywhere in the US as long as the numbers make sense. That's what it comes down to. Mm. It's the numbers. So you literally just need a Wi Fi connection and, and a phone, and you can basically run this business all over the shop. Like, you could be in California and be buying places in Texas, Washington, Florida. That's, that's amazing. Exactly. That's the great part about it. Because honestly, if this was 20 years ago, maybe even a bit more, you'd probably have to be doing it, you know, doing this close to where you live, or you'd have to travel to, to, you know, where your projects are. Mm-hmm. But be- the beauty of technology these days with how advanced it is, we can take it to our advantage. Like the fact that, and people to this day sometimes ask me, Dan, how are you doing this without like, without having to step foot in the property, sometimes never seeing these projects, sometimes never even being in the state. Like there's been projects that I've done and I've never even visited a state in my life. Like, I don't even know how the state That's looks. Hilarious. And, <laughs> and, and yet you've bought people a that are exper- yeah, yeah, exactly. People that are experienced that have been doing it for many years sometimes ask me, Dan, like, I've been doing this for many years, but I still have to go and see the property. And I, I tell them two things. I tell them, look, if I micromanage and I'm looking at the project like every day or every couple of days and go and see if the rehab has been, you know, moving forward, I'm literally micromanaging to the point where I'm slowing down the project. I'm slowing down the process. Sometimes contractors might not always like that, right? So it kind of makes makes the project yeah, move slower. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, I mean, fair enough. That's not a problem. Like you can you should be micromanaging if anything, because this is your business. This is this is your bread and butter, right? So at the end of the day, you should be micromanaging if if you want to. But the main thing is that by me being able to do it all over the US, I give myself more opportunities for more deals. Imagine I was just focusing on one little location close to where I live. There's only a certain amount of teams I can have or a certain amount of properties I can deal with. I've, I'm, I'm, there's more competition. There's maybe less houses that I'm finding. But now if I have the whole of the US, right, look how much extra land I'm looking in. I've got more teams, more potential for properties, more potential to close on deals, you know, more potential to make more money in this. And with technology, what's the difference between me right now going to a home down the street from where I live to see it or video calling someone who can go to the property, uh, FaceTiming me, I can look at them walking through the project for me. And I'm literally seeing almost exactly the same as if it was in person. They can take professional photos for me. They can actually do things for me without me having to leave my room. I can be doing it sitting from my from my office at home, right? So, or even while I'm in bed, literally, it, it can get to that point. So I just tell people, technology is literally telling us, like, just use me, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. and that's exactly what I'm doing. I, um, I, I even have a project here five minutes down from the road from where I live. Um, right next to Disneyland. We're about to purchase it. Yes, I've actually seen the property in person, but will I be seeing it during the renovation? 
Probably not. I'm just going to let it, I'm going to do exactly what I'm doing with all the other flips from other states that I never see. Right. So it's going to be the same process. Yeah. If it's a formula that you know works, then, then why, why break it? You know, it wouldn't make sense, but okay. Yeah. So this is interesting. So obviously what it, it all sounds good, but you mentioned teams, you know, like if I've got a team in Texas or how on earth do you get these teams? I mean, is that again taught in the course or are these just contacts yeah. that they, they get access to? No, definitely. I actually teach that uh, in the course. I There's a whole module on how to build your team, uh, how to build your team of realtors, contractors. I mean, then it goes into lenders. So I teach that. But yes, it's something where you need, like, it makes the job easier. Like the way I've created this course is to make sure I can help people do this while they even if they have their full time job, if they want to still keep it for the time being until they might be uh, might be uh, comfortable enough to maybe leave that job, or some people have jobs that they've studied for for ten years, you know, doctors, lawyers, whatnot. So they might not want to just get rid of their job. Mm. They might they might have a passion for it and they want to keep it, but they want to just do this on the side. So I kind of created this in a way where people can still keep their nine to five jobs, or they can still keep their normal uh, you know careers. And they can do this on the side, right? The, the, but most of the time, what happens is people start seeing where they can actually make in real estate. So they start thinking, well, do I really need my nine to five? And then they kind of leave it and then they just focus on real estate 100%. Mm. And then they scale up even faster, right? Yeah. So um, it's something where, yeah, I just kind of tell people, you know, it's it's possible. Um, it, 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 just, it just requires obviously some work and effort. But I, I genuinely, you know, in the course I teach people how to build their team, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's needed. It's needed. It just makes your life easier. Um, cause sometimes even, even though I teach it, sometimes I do have sometimes people being too desperate and they're like, oh, I just want to start flipping already. I want to start flipping in the first month. And it's like, well, these are the type of people that almost try to reach for overnight success. And mm. that's not the case. Mm. You might as well go and put some money on the stock market and then risk it either to double it or lose it all right. Mm. Um, overnight. But this is something that requires work and effort. It, it's not work and effort that is, is different than any other job that anyone has, you know, whether you work in retail, whether you work as a manager somewhere, whether you have your own business, everything requires work effort. and effort. Absolutely. So this is going to be the same, right? Mm. It's going to be the same, but it, but the rewards are much better than most industries out there. That's yeah. the difference. No, what you can make, um, and that's why I tell people like, look, this is not overnight success. You got to kind of um, take the step by step process. Don't skip the videos that I teach you on or anything I tell you. Don't don't like miss it because if you work backwards, you're going to make your job harder. Mm. Like, there's a way of making sure you build your teams first. Um, and then kind of moving forward and then looking for houses because mm. then when you find something, you already have a team in place and you just tell them, Hey, can you, can you make sure this property is good? Can you go give me a bid? Can you do this? Can you do that? But if you're going to start looking for houses first and you don't have a realtor in place or a contract in place or lenders in place, then okay, you found a good deal. And the last thing that's going to happen is you won't be able to make it work because you've got nothing else in place. Exactly. You know, you haven't got a team in place and then you become upset and you say, oh, this is not for me. Mm -hmm. Or some people say, oh, I have such a good opportunity. Why don't I, you know, build the team first? So it's always, that's why I tell people there's a step-by-step -step process to it, yeah. you know, to make you do the first thing first before you move ahead and start actually looking for homes. 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, to use a very apt illustration, it's quite literally like a bunch of builders get together. If they don't put the foundation properly there, even though that may take weeks, you know, and they're looking yeah. at the project opposite them and they're thinking, oh, they're already up there. They're, they're, they're at the second story already. They could get disheartened. But then here yeah. they are, they come out of the ground and then obviously it's it's built like on a, on a proper foundation, you know, whereas the uh-huh. other guys who have rushed out, it just falls down. So, yeah, no, I think that will reassure people as well because um, when they're listening to that, they'll realise it's not like, you know, some sort of Ponzi get rich quick scheme. Like obviously, you know, you've got to put the work in, but if yeah. you do that, it, it's the kind of thing that can sort of accelerate um, almost exponentially, you know, like it might start slow, but if you really put the work in, maybe in year one, year two, year three, it can just grow, grow, grow. And it just really, yeah. really, yeah, I can see how that's possible uh, with, with what you're telling us. Um, yeah, I mean, no, definitely. I mean, what, obviously I think some people, there's still obviously the cynics amongst us and so on. And even though I think most people think, yeah, this all makes sense. There's still that worry mm-hmm. that, you know, something could go wrong. So let, let's just say for a minute that you do buy a place in Texas or Tennessee, you know, and I don't know, the contractors are just terrible and they don't do their job properly or they, you know, they fall sick. Right. And they just, yeah. I don't know, stuff can happen, right? Life is never straightforward. Of course. And like, of what, course. like, I mean, could, the other people's money essentially all be lost. I mean, what sort of what's on the contract with these people? Because maybe you can pay it back to them, but instead of in six months, it could be in two years or six years, or, you know, if something really bad happens. Like, what is the worst that can happen? Well, the thing is, the way it's structured, and that's a good point that you're bringing up, because it's not like someone's just borrowing you money and be like, yeah, let me just wire it to you. There's always contracts in place. It's notarized. It's got, you know, it's, it's all legally done so that it protects all parties involved, right? And like with the lenders that we use, at least the first position lenders, they provide the majority of the funds needed to purchase that home, like just any other bank. But they are first lien position lenders. So just like a normal mortgage, almost anywhere in the world, whether in the UK, whether in the US, these mortgages, if you have a mortgage, the bank owns that property until you've paid off the house right? So if you don't make payments or if something happens, the bank takes it back and they own it and it's their money anyway. So at the end of the day, they own a piece of land. And these lenders, most of the time, they won't go into a deal if they see that this deal is not good. So they'll only lend on deals that they see will benefit them in every way, Mm -hmm. Uh, either if it gets flipped and they make their profit or either if you screw up and then they get to keep it, they'll still benefit from it, from either putting a renter in there or having an, another investor finish it up for you. You know what I mean? Mm. Because there's different types of investors. There's investors out there that don't even use other people's money. They use 100% of their own money. So there's other investors that can come in and make it happen who are way more experienced, who have multi-million dollars, like hundreds of millions of dollars that go in and they have teams and offices, you know, to the large scale where they just have a team like go in and boom, in a month they can have the whole house done mm-hmm. and it can be part of their rental portfolio. So there's there's a lot to it, of course, but the same with these contracts, they are placed in a way where it protects the lenders, it protects anyone else involved and it protects um, us as the investor as well, like the ones that are flipping it, right? Now, the other thing is, is and you might have heard this before, maybe the listeners have heard of this before, you make your money when you buy now that term or that, that you know that phrase you make your money when you buy is one of the most important ones in real estate investing with fixing and flipping or even buying a property to rent the reason for that is because if you buy at the right price at a good enough discounted price if you flip it great you make great profit if you don't for a reason 
you'll be able to refinance, get out of certain deals because you bought it at such a price mm. where there's still enough equity, mm-hmm. even without renovation potentially sometimes, yes, where yeah. you can refinance and own it to rent. Yes. So worst case scenario, if a property doesn't flip and you've got people's money involved, you can pay them all back by doing a refinance with another bank. So now this other bank will pay out all the existing first lenders that were involved in a deal with you. They're all squared away. They're taken care of, done. Now you own the property with a new lender with a different interest rate, but now you own the property to rent it. And now you put a renter in there or a short-term renter like Airbnb and you have these renters pay your mortgage and then you can actually still make some profit on top of that, nice. right? Um, I mean, obviously this conversation is like, it can, it can keep, it has stems, right? It can keep growing into many other uh, different points. But yes, like, Going back to kind of the the main point of the question that you have, can it go wrong? Anything can happen, right? You can have a contract to run away with your money potentially. You can have um, you can have the house burned down, but there's there's things that are uh, there's measures that have been taken, like considered to make sure that you are still protected. So, for example, if your house burns down, well, that's a reason. Like in the course, I teach why we have to get property insurance on every property that we do. And it's not just a general insurance. It's not like a general insurance. Like if you go buy a house right now for 30 years of a mortgage, you're going to get a different type of insurance. With a fix and flip, you get a different type of insurance that will cover you during the duration of while you own the property to flip it, mm-hmm. right? So you have to get insurance. So now if your house burns down, to be honest, that's sometimes even better because then the insurance will pay you out. What the <laughs> You've house earned your money already, right? But exactly. out of interest, is that, is that payout on the projected value? I mean, how does that work? It really depends. It really depends on the insurance and like what what you're paying for it, what kind of what covers on the insurance, what kind of insurance are you actually getting? Like for me, for example, if my house burns down, um, they they take the value of the property, right? And they will pay like if the house burns down, they will pay what uh, it's actually really interesting because with the insurance that I have. Uh, that I usually get with fixing and flipping and what most fixing and flip investors get, this insurance will be will cover enough for a full renovation and the renova- renovation will be, they would actually pay out more than what my re- initial renovation bid would have been. So now they will provide the funds to, for me to build a new house. And now this is the crazy part. When I just fix and flip a property with the existing year built that it is, let's just say a house is built in 1955, right? Mm-hmm. And I renovate it. When I resell it, it will look updated and modern, but the year built of the house is still 1955. But if now, if 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 a house burns down and I get insurance payout, which hasn't happened to me, by the way, but if it ever did, I will use the money that they provide for a renovation and I will build a new house, right? They will cover the cost to make sure that the house is fully rebuilt. Now, now when I list a property, it won't be 1955 year built. Mm-hmm. If we build it and it's done in this year, it will be 2022. Now my resale value will be way more mm. because it's a new construction. So now I'm actually going to be making even more profit if I resell it, right? Another thing I can do is I can take the cash, leave with it, and then just sell lot value. I mean, there's so many options that you can do, right, um, to still walk away. So sometimes, yeah, people, when they're having issues, they're like, oh, you know what? We should do this. We should do that. But these are things that are not right. Like I would never... I would never suggest anyone to do that because I'm I'm not even sure if that's actually necessarily illegal. But it's something where, you know, if something like that does happen, worst case scenario, you are protected if you have insurance. If you're not, then obviously that was a, a very rookie mistake. You should have made you sure you had insurance. 
Exactly. So yeah. that's something that you need to obviously sometimes learn or be reminded by someone in, in mentorship courses that get provided, whether it's mine or whether it's another mentorship course. It has to definitely be disclosed and kind of taught, right? Mm-hmm. And the same thing with contractors. If they walk away with your money, I mean, there are things in place that I teach to make sure that you don't get screwed by a contractor, even if they walk away with your money. Because there are ways, if you use 100% of your own money, that's another risk because you ha- you are maybe potentially making more profit, but you're risking the fact that any contractor can just walk away with your money and that's it. But because of the lenders that we use, they have things in place where they even have like after every time they need a, a like a percentage of the renovation given back to the, the contractor who's building like, the house or renovating the house, they get an inspector to go out to inspect that that work was actually complete with photos, images, everything mm-hmm. before approving. Yeah. So there's structures in place, you know, and obviously that's something that I teach in the course throughout the whole thing, but it's, um, there's ways to really minimize the amount of risk. And the worst that can really happen at that point is like someone breaking into your house because they know it's empty. You're, you're renovating it. It's empty. And they can, they can have, you know, sometimes homeless people can, can stay in the house because it's like shelter for them. Sometimes when you stage the property, people be like, Oh, that house is being staged for, for resale. There's, furniture in there let's go break into it and steal some some appliances that, that those things can happen all the time but once again you have insurance which which covers all that right mm-hmm. um so little things can go wrong sometimes sometimes a contractor yes can get sick and can delay on the project and it's a little bit like oh come on like let's let's speed up but that's just managing a business and anything that can happen even if you have like a window cleaning business like i have if if i have a customer and uh, one of my workers broke a window or or dropped a tool on their expensive car. That's it. That's also a headache in itself, mm-hmm. but it all gets dealt with. You exactly. Know? Exactly. No, very well explained. Now, we've obviously, obviously spoken about the, you know, the USA market being very lucrative and ideal for this. There's going to be mm-hmm. many listeners in the UK, in Europe, in South America. I mean, can this be done? Let's just focus on the UK, Europe. I mean, can this be done here too, or is it? You know, is it more, are there more sort of regulations, you know, red tape bureaucracy sort of here, you know, with the regulations and banking systems being different? Yeah, I mean, it's possible all over all over the world. I mean, obviously, in some areas of the world, it's like, you know, people don't really flip houses if, if it's maybe uh, like a third world country and whatnot, like it, it, you wouldn't expect it there. But in more established countries, a lot of places in Europe, in the UK, US, Australia, um even some parts in in the Middle East, even I know that it's, it's possible to to flip properties all over the world. But every country does have its own, like you just touched on it, like different regulations, different requirements, different laws, and whatnot. Right um, now, with the UK in particular, compared to the US, US is is easier to make it happen. I would say, and also the profit spreads are much uh, larger here, so it makes it more worthwhile. But it's definitely possible in the UK. I know people that are doing it in the UK. I know that they're doing. I know people in the UK that are doing it without using their own money as well. I have some connections uh, to mentors in the UK as well that um, provide kind of classes to teach how to do this. Uh, something similar. Sometimes it might not be the same, exactly the same, but it, it kind of has uh, at least it will allow people to get their foot in the door in this industry. And then from there they grow. Right. So I definitely know it's possible. I do know the UK does have a little bit more strict laws and regulations with certain things. Um, I mean, if you have a hundred percent of your own money cash, or you can find a hundred percent of other people's cash, 
you can make it happen in the UK, even with smaller profits, but at least you're, you're in this industry and you're making it happen. And then you can own rentals that way and then kind of build your portfolio like that. And in the end, you know, have literally passive income. I know it's possible. Uh, when it comes to lenders in the UK, they make it a little bit more difficult, but it is still possible. It just requires a little bit maybe work and effort, but I know it's definitely possible. Good stuff. Now, you've mentioned, um, you know, the course um, all the way through this this podcast it has been referenced. So could you explain to the listeners who might be interested, um, you know, the price of the program, the options, um, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll be honest with the course that I uh, actually have, um, it's more focused on the whole of the US, right? Any place in the US, even if it's Hawaii, because Hawaii is part of the US, like anywhere in the US, it's 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 more friendly towards the United States market, right? Just the way I teach things, the way there's certain contracts that I provide, there's different tools that I provide, different templates, things that are needed to be used are for the US. Like uh, you would have to have like a residency in the US, right? You would have to have, you don't have to be a citizen. You don't have to have a great credit or anything like that. Like as long as you have a, a point of contact, even if people in the UK want to do it and they have someone in the US who they, they can do it with, that has the residency here, it can work, right? Uh, but it is focused more to the US market. Now, even if they, even if people from other parts of the world want to take this course, they can, and they will learn a lot from it, and they can apply it in their own country. But some of the things might actually be slightly different, where they might have to do a little bit more research on how to do it uh, in that location. Just as an example, for example, in in the USA, we have realtors. Realtors have they work based on commission, right? So they will buy the house for you. They will list the house for you. They'll make sure everything goes well, all the paperwork and everything, because at the end, when the house sells, they get their commission and they get that's how they get paid, right? They get paid on commission only. In the UK, we don't really have, we, well, we don't have real estate agents. It's estate agents that we have, right? Um, which doesn't necessarily require licenses and whatnot. Here in the US, realtors have to have a license. They have to uh, update their training all the time. So it's literally a career, right? So things like that might be the slight changes where it's not necessarily impossible to not be able to figure out. Like it's something that you can figure out. You have to just understand how estate agents work, how they can help you get the house, how they can also help you list the house to sell it right and market the property so those are the kind of little like just an example that i used as as the differences that can happen from country to country so this is more uh, focused like it's friendly for the us but the actual price of the course i have two options uh there's a 5k option which is well it's 4997 and the other option is 6997 so basically 7000 so the 5k option is lifetime access to the course only so you get you get the uh, access to all the tools, the resources, the just over 80 videos, the access to lenders, but you don't get access to me directly after that. Like apart from the videos, you don't get access to my help or my my team's help or access to other students. So that's for the 4997 option. For the 6997 option, so for $2,000 more, you get access to, uh, well, the lifetime access to the course, just like the 4997 option, but also access, lifetime access to me directly to my team, to um, other students. And it's literally like a networking machine where you're in a group chat. And I mean, I have students last night messaging like 12 sometimes. And if I'm awake, I'll respond. 
And so I'm on the Pacific time zone, but like I have students on the East Coast time zone. They're already sleeping because it was around three in the morning their time. But they woke up to the messages. They responded. And then when I woke up, I carried on the chat. So it's literally what you could say almost 24-7 access. Whenever someone has a question there, they can throw it in there. We analyze deals together. Uh, sometimes deals get thrown in there. Uh, it's an, you know, you can throw realtors, contractors and lenders in there that others have used and you can kind of build more connections like that. Um, and it's just literally like a group that we have a team of just people that constantly are networking and growing. Right. So that's the two options there. Um, and then there is also financing options. So if you are in the U S and you want to finance the course, instead of paying for it all up front, you can pay over like two to three years uh, with very minimal monthly payments. Uh, there is a pre-approval process for that with two requirements that you've got to meet, but um, it's not necessarily difficult to meet. So that's also an option. And that's something that I can always you know, discuss with, with people. If they're interested, they can always reach out and my team or me will help them out. Fantastic. And how, how much is that for, for, the, for the finance? Is that like sort of a few hundred bucks a month or something or? Yeah, yeah, it, it can range. It can range from like two hundred bucks. It, it'll depend on uh, with with the financing option. The two requirements is they have to have a minimum of a six twenty credit score, which is funny because with flipping flipping houses, sometimes you don't even need to provide your credit score. And <laughs> exactly. if you do, yeah, if yeah. you do, you don't even need um, a high like you don't. You, some lenders will provide access to like um well we'll provide loans to people who have credit scores of 500 and above right so but with this financing it's a third party financing company that will require 620 credit score um and you have to make 35,000 or more a year before taxes and if you can prove that if you can show for that uh, then they will approve you they'll give you the funds within 3 to 5 business days and then you use those funds to pay for the course. And now it's like when you finance a car, it's the same thing. The financing company of, of the car dealership, uh, the, the car dealership, sorry, will get the, will get paid out by the financing company. And now you as the owner of the car now, you know, you'll start paying the financing company monthly for the five years or whatever. So it's basically the same. It's basically the same with um, uh, this financing option that we have. Yeah. Fantastic. And where can people find this? Like what, what is the website that I can leave in the show notes? So they can go through our company. Uh, I mean, they can go through urbanflipacademy.com. Mm -hmm. uh, on there, they will have uh, the option to my course. Uh, the other thing I would say is to reach out to either me on Instagram uh, or they can reach out to me via email and info at urbanflipacademy.com. Um, either me or my team members will reach out. And then if if they go directly through, you know, just pay straight through for the course, either the 5K or the 7K option, then they can just go through the, the link, the urbanflipacademy.com. But obviously, if they want to do the financing, that's something that we would kind of speak to them first, um, kind of see the options that they have, and then we'll direct them with a link uh, after they speak to one of our team members or gain contact with our team members. Amazing, man. So yeah, thanks for that. And just before like we wrap this all up, like let, let's just get to a bit more of a, a personal level now. How, would you say that this yeah. business that you've got, has it enabled you to travel more or would you say it ties you down? Especially, you know, obviously you mentioned this 24 seven chat. Of course you can do that from anywhere. Um, but are, yeah. you, are you finding that you can still travel a lot? Yeah. You know what? Like I'll be honest. I, I, it's, it's, it's a matter of choice right uh, for me like uh it's not that i can't travel it's a matter of choice that i when i say i travel i mean i travel like we go places around the U us we 
you know, as much as possible. And uh, if I wanted to, the, the answer to that basically is if I wanted to, I could travel wherever I want, whenever I want. At this point, I could be doing this while I'm in London. Like I was in London in August of last year, right? Um, I mean, you, you saw of course, me there, I and, met. Yeah, yeah. and um, and I was at the time I was, uh, you know, ma- managing or handling multiple deals at a time, and I was working from the UK. Of course, the time difference was a little bit different, which actually worked out great for me because when people were waking up in the US, where my market is, or where my markets are for the properties over there in the UK, it was like around i would say one o'clock in the afternoon two three four right so it's kind of i was free in the mornings and then if i ever needed to respond to any emails or do anything it was in the afternoon in the uk time right so that's the only thing with the time difference it still helped but it was eight hours difference with, with where i am right now with california right um but technically i could do this from anywhere in the world as long as i have wi-fi right um and I can be living elsewhere and be doing this. So it has opened up the opportunity for me to be able to be anywhere that I want and travel. Uh, but obviously I, when you're comfortable and you have an office and you kind of like do everything from where you are and you know, you, you know, your local bank, you know, everyone knows you in, in the area kind of like, it makes things easier. So it's just easier sometimes for me to be at home. But if let's just say my wife says, or someone says, Hey, like, do you want to go on a vacation next week? I'll probably be able, it will allow me that this actually has given me the opportunity to be like, okay, let's do it. And sometimes we can buy tickets the night before and be in, in a different country or in a different state. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so amazing. Yeah, it yeah. definitely allows it. Def, this industry definitely allows you to do that, especially with the potential that you can make. And also the fact that you can do this literally you don't have to be physically tied down to location. Like my physical, my, my window cleaning business would, you know, if it wasn't self-run, you could say it would require me to still be where I am here. I wouldn't yeah. be able to, unless I, you know, you, you would, you would maybe know that as well. Cause you know, I had the business back in London as well, but it's kind of, you know, it requires me to be there. But, um, with this business, with, with the real estate investing, once again, it, I can be on vacation anywhere as long as I've got Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. And even then, if I don't have Wi-Fi for whatever reason, and I need to get Wi-Fi. Most places have Wi-Fi. You can find a Mac- McDonald's for Wi-Fi. You can find Starbucks for Wi-Fi. If I ever need to, it's not something that sometimes requires urgency to, for a response. If I couldn't respond for something for six hours, it's not a problem. As soon as I get Wi-Fi, I can start responding, spend 30 minutes or so responding to whoever needed a response from me, done, and then carry on. So mm-hmm. it's there's a beauty in that for sure. Oh, lovely. And how do... Um... How does California and London life compare? Because obviously a lot of culture lovers uh, listen to this podcast in general. So, yeah, tell us the difference between California and London. You've obviously relocated there since marrying your wife, uh, Steph, yeah. a few years ago. So how, how how's that going? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I love um, – it's funny because when people say uh, – like if they say, do you like – like uh, do you prefer the US or the, or the UK? It's very hard because the US has like got – every state is like a different country yeah so if i was living maybe uh, in like certain states in the center part of the u.s where there wasn't much so comparing that to the uk of course i think i would prefer the uk right because i like history i like architecture i like the culture like like family the friends there but then places like miami florida or california or you know some other parts of the u.s is like because of the weather conditions, I, I'm like, I, I actually love it, right? I can compare that to the UK now. And now it has its pros and cons depending on what. So, for example, in California, I would prefer this to be my base. I'd love to live here forever. And then um, because the main thing, honestly, here 
in California, and this is probably one of the only main things is the weather, right? Like the weather here is absolutely amazing all year round summer, right? You you have the ocean very close by, palm trees, and then you've got mountains, right? And then the winter period of time, which for us here, winter is like 25 Celsius, right? Degrees. Mm-hmm. You can, uh, in the mountains, it can be snowing. So you can be snowboarding or, or skiing. And then at the end of the day, you could be at the beach, right? So that's mind blowing. Like to me, it, I had my body, my body had to adjust to that because it was so like, how is this possible? I've never experienced this. But to be honest, like with London or like the UK, right? Uh, specifically London, because that's where I'm, I'm raised. To me, that's like, there's history, there's architecture and families there as well. That's where I raised us, where I went to school. Like that home is home at the end of the day. So I have my kind of what I like and what I don't like of both areas. Like I don't like the UK weather, obviously. A lot of people don't, right? <laughs> Myself um, included for many months of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So so there there are things like that. But I as you I think as you get older as well, you sometimes start to realize what's more important. Mm. And to me, I would tell my wife as well, like the best would be for me to have both. And to do that would basically be, which I could technically do now as well, uh, what it is would be to live in California, but come to London for periods of like two to three months at a time, or maybe even let's just say like a month or six weeks, come back to California and then four months later, come back to London for another six weeks. Yeah, that would be ideal, man. Mm. This way, I have the best of both because I do love London for its own reason. I do love California for its own reasons. And then I'll be able to have best of both, but at the same time, I don't have that feeling where I um how do you say it? Like, cause I've got great friends there, of course, you know that. And I've got my family there and that that's a big thing. But, but the thing is, is that I would be able to not have that feeling of things changing. Like if, for example, let's just say I don't go to London for the next five years, I can go back to London. And I'll be like, oh, I'm not, I'm starting to feel like this is not really home. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that feeling to ever happen. Mm-hmm. So that's why I want to be there as often as possible so that it almost feels like nothing's really changing because I'm... Yeah, it's just like one long vacation, right? <laughs> Li- yeah, place, yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah. Literally, literally. So, yeah, I mean, that, to answer that really, uh, yeah, I, I have my, uh, my, you could say, my love and hate for, for each location. Yeah, no, it fully makes sense. And I think a lot of travellers listening to that will, uh, will, will totally understand how you answer that. There are, of course, pros and cons. It's very rare that someone would just straight out say, yep, it's going to be California or it's going to be London. Yeah. I mean, I've been to California a few times. I've not lived there, but yeah, it's, uh, everything you said makes sense. Yeah, and also, like, just think about, like, London in itself is such a great location to travel into Europe or anywhere Oh, absolutely. In Europe. It's the best like, thing. It's the best base for that. Like, and I have many people in the US that I know. Many of my friends say, why do you love it here? I love London so much. Like, it's so great. Blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's crazy. It, yeah, it's crazy. But I guess... I guess some people, when they, when they, wherever they're raised up, you know, they like a change. I have friends that sometimes say, oh, I hate the heat. I, I'd rather live in London because I like how it's sometimes cloudy there. And I'm like thinking, wow, trust me. That's the case. <laughs> <laughs> so it just depends. Oh, dear. Now, Bugs, man, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Of we've course. been we've been talking about this for months and we've both been so busy. So I'm so happy that it's finally happened. Um, awesome yeah. catching up with you. Great chats as always. And yeah, obviously wish you and your business, uh, Urban Flip Academy, all the best. It's definitely going to uh, continue to grow. And uh, thanks again for your time. Thanks for coming on to explain what you do uh, to the listeners and maybe they can check you out as well. So thanks for that. 
Yeah, thanks, Nate. I appreciate you even taking, like, considering me for this. And I, I hope I, I have added value to the listeners. And if they ever want to, you know, reach out to me, they can, you know, do so at no hesitation. They can literally DM me. I'm, I'm a type of person who responds to almost everyone and anyone that I can. Uh, if I get, you know, if I respond late to a DM sometimes, it's just because I'm, I'm busy as well. But I always make sure I, I respond because I, I do genuinely like to help people as much as I can, network, kind of, you know, help them out in any way if they want to get into this industry as well, even if it's anything else. So but I appreciate you having me on here. And yeah, thanks a lot. My guest today was Bogdan Zhukov from the Urban Flip Academy. Well, if you'd like to get into flipping or renting houses yourself, do follow his work. I'm going to leave all of his details, Instagram, website, and so on in the show notes. So please do check that out. Well, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please do share it with a family member or friend who you think would get something out of it. And if you haven't already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And don't forget to follow and hit the bell notification there if you haven't done so already. My name is Nate Ralph, and you've been listening to The Inquisitive Tourist.